night. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, and you're listening to the Catherine Zox Show. Joining me this morning is Keith Gebert. Wrightbridge Financial Group CEO and author of Stress Testing Your Savings, Your Financial Guide to Navigate to and Through Retirement. Uh, Keith's life would change forever on a fall day in 1992 when his father was in an accident that hospitalized him. The psychological and emotional damage the accident caused was hard enough, but there was another challenge the family would soon have to come to grips with. Depending on his father's paychecks, the family was about to experience a financial crisis. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you here today, Keith. Thank you so much, Catherine. It's a pleasure and an honor to be on your show. So I'm assuming that this incident, which happened quite a while ago, is what, uh, I guess, eventually motivated you to write this book, Financial Crisis, We Need to Be Prepared. And I, I guess I'm going to make the assumption that most of us in America are not prepared. We're not prepared anyway, usually financially, but for some major financial crisis or sort of like a, a car accident or a sickness or uh, losing your job or whatever it is, we're not prepared to be able to take that into consideration and to be able to handle our finances well with ourselves and our family. Is that true? That's true. I mean, I don't, I don't think we can ever be prepared for anything that can come our way, whether it's finances or health or, you know, in the workplace. There, there's no such thing as being fully prepared, but there is such thing as being just prepared to, to take on the tasks that come up upon us uh, to get us through or weather the storm till the sun shines on the other side for us. So, you know, <clears throat> like you mentioned, you know, my family had experienced something uh, many years ago, I think going on 25 years now, this October, and there's no preparing for a sudden accident that happens one morning. And, you know, leading up to that, you know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. She worked on Wall Street uh, at EF Hunt and Dean Witter. And upon my dad, you know, be- becoming somewhat successful in, in his career, she was a stay-at-home mom at that point. And with one income, you know, uh, an accident occurs and, and changes our life. And not till later on, as I didn't even plan getting into the financial world, um, as I entered into it, I was reminded of what I went through and grew up with. And as I endeavored down the, the path and journey of working in, in Wall Street and for different firms in different areas, I learned different things when it came to financial planning and how firms actually work, these Wall Street firms, how they work, and they train us to do financial plans for folks. But I realized one thing. It's never really on the side of the client. And as I went through the, the next 10 years, go on 10 years, I think I learned a lot of lessons from it. And going back, I think if my family would have had a pro- somewhat of a proper plan or some safety nets in place, maybe some of the pain or damage that my family suffered over, those, over that period of time, or years, I should say, um, could have been relieved a little bit. So, Well, you I talk about was, a solid plan. You say a solid plan is essential when disaster strikes. And I have to assume that disaster, well, we have to maybe assume that in all our lives at some point, and I don't know if maybe the word disaster is maybe a little over the top, but something is going to happen. I mean, you know, it's going to be, it doesn't necessarily have to be a major car accident, but it could be many taking care of an, uh, an elderly I don't even have to go through the list Let's uh, of yeah, what could no, happen No, I mean, to you're us. right. It doesn't so, have to be uh, a vehicle accident. It doesn't have to be health. It, it, it's 2008, our, our economic crisis. It's things that we, that's, unfor- that's not seen. I mean, today, in our world today, without getting into politics, you know, we're flirting on the cusp of disaster with a country who's dangerous that we know nothing about, North Korea. And, and if things don't come into play the right way, you know, we don't know what we're faced with. And that's a far-fetched planning situation. That's not financial planning, but there's disasters around us every day. It, it might sound like a, a very big word, but it's important to understand that how to brace yourself for that is just knowing 
where you are in your life and what you need to sustain your, your everyday living. And we call that know your number. You know, we call that at Rightbridge know your number, or we go through what we are in the process of trademarking is called raise your retirement. And raise actually stands for retirement awareness, investment strategy evaluation. So our raise process brings folks through a two-step process that opens up their financial life and their non-financial life and looks at the big picture and plans for things that may occur, having a safety net. Most folks don't even have a significant amount, and I say significant, amount of cash on the sideline for emergencies. When I say significant, costs are rising. I mean, rent here in New York and New Jersey is rising. Mortgages are rising. You know, cost of milk, eggs, bacon, all on the rise. So if you were to get into a car accident and you were short-term or long-term disability, and that check wasn't meeting the needs, or if you were to sustain, you know, losing your job or something, having that safety net and being prepared is important because the one thing I've saw over the last 10 years is folks just rip apart their financial assets to survive. A financial advisor. So what do you do? Let's start from, okay, in your experience, obviously both personal and uh, professionally, you've seen this happen. People are just financially and psychologically devastated by any kind of a, quote, I'll say disaster or crises. So what's mm-hmm. the first step? What is a family to do? I mean, you have mm-hmm. most families living just middle class families living day to day. They get their paycheck, whether it's one paycheck or two paychecks. And as I understand it, don't have any very little savings at all. Um, so how, what's the first step? What do you do? How do you begin this financial planning? Well, it's two-sided. So we, we do what's the, the financial and the non-financial side. So on the financial side, again, as I mentioned earlier, know your number. Um, go in knowing that you need six months or maybe a year's worth of the indefinite overhead expenses, you know, whether you're renting or owning, paying the cost of your, the roof over your head. Every essential that you need to survive, <clears throat> if you had no more paycheck, no income, that you know you can go into your bank and pay those essentials and wake up every day with the lights on, food on the table, and you can continue to pay your health care premiums and go on with your year until things can pan out. And I say a year because my family's situation, my dad was in the hospital almost a year. You know, and and at that time, if it wasn't for family and friends, we would have been in trouble. But had my mom been prepared or somewhat prepared, or had some type of plan in place, maybe the burden on her mentally or psychologically, financially, would have been relieved a little bit. A little bit. That doesn't take away from everything. But finances is a huge thing in, this, in, this, in our world. Finances is So let's is take right example. What help. do you do? Are you talking about a, a young couple? Uh, when do you start doing that? I assume you want to start doing it as soon as possible, whatever that is. So when do you start doing well, that? Yeah, when do the you start young couple, put- the young couples is, 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 is a tough story to, to go down because they're, young couples are probably early in their career or finding their career and they're, you know, either saving for homes or saving for that, you know, that, that journey they're going to go on. At RightBridge, we work with retirees. So with, with the retiree market, what we do, or pre-retiree market, what we do is, is know your number. We build out and we go through a financial plan and we look at the essentials and we try to put that money into a safe place, not where it's going to be exposed to the market. So in the event that something was to happen, they can pay their bills. They can live without any type of worry or have to change their lifestyle, style, so to say. We, we use that a lot in the, in the office. You know, changing your lifestyle. How would you feel if your lifestyle changed tomorrow? And folks say, I wouldn't be happy. Well, what do you have in place to protect that lifestyle? And they'll just point to their investments. And, and, and that may be okay at the time, but sometimes investments are not what they're worth today. They're not worth the same tomorrow. Some cannot be accessed right away. And those, those are important facts. Now, for the younger couple, you know, knowing your number is, is, is saving. A lot of people say, you know, spend and spend and then whatever's left over, save. We call it forced savings. So pay your essentials and then pay yourself. 
So pay your rent, mortgage, life insurance, whatever it is that you're, that you're spending your money on every month. That's the essentials. Then pay yourself. And that is, comes in the form of a savings. If I was to say to you today, Catherine, that, you know, the pre- ironically, President is talking today about tax cuts. But what if I was to say to you today that the government's going to tax you 25 more percent on your check starting Friday when you get paid? What are you going to say? Probably nothing. Because there's <laughs> Probably nothing. nothing. Then, right? Exactly what I just, yeah. Okay. So what I, what I try to, to tell folks is this. If you're a mar- young married couple, become your own government. The wife, the husband, the spouse, you tax each other. Tax each other that extra percentage and put it in a savings account. If you're single, have your parents or somebody that you trust put that extra tax on you because it'll only, only help you later. And it's the only way because it's hard for us. It's hard for me. It's hard for everybody because things come up every day. But if that forced savings is in place, just like your taxes are in place every, every year, it, it can only lead to prosperity. It can only lead to protection and safety and helping you later as a young couple. I think one of the things you say, not just with young couples, but with retirees or pre-retirees, and I want to get into the kind of what you're describing as pre-retirees, but write it down, write the financial plan down. I think writing stuff down and sitting down with somebody is so key. It makes it real when you write it down. Not even as you're describing the young couple, just taking the money and putting it in the bank and a savings account and and, and taxing each other or having a, a, uh, you know, somebody you trust tax you. But you really have to write all of this down and be very specific, don't you? have a plan um, that's on paper? Well, yeah. I mean, the, pl- the plan on paper is very important. And that's the one thing I noticed over the years working for large Wall Street firms, insurance firms, investment banks, that America and, and the people have gotten so comfortable with the, the, the norm of just say, calling or going to a, a financial advisor that's a friend or recommended and they'll just print out, you know, a plan and say, hey, this is the plan that fits your risk tolerance, which I really don't understand sometimes. And I go, I just don't get it. And they say, hey, what's your risk between one and 10, 10 being the riskiest? What's your number? And, and folks will pick six. Well, what does six mean? What does that actually mean? What does the six materialize to when it comes to risk? How do you benchmark that? How do you know what six means as far as how much you can lose? Is it 6%, 60%, 600%? So I, it started to bother me after 2008. And I, I, I couldn't put my finger on it because it's, it's, a, it's a larger issue than me. So as I was going through, you know, my financial planning at the firms I was working with, I realized when I asked folks, well, what's the philosophy in your plan today? What's the direction? What's the goal? And they all say, make money and don't lose money. Okay, so what do you have in place? Can you tell me a little bit about your plan? And they say, well, and they'll hand me their statement, their monthly statement. And they say, well, here's my plan. I said, no, that's a statement. What's the goals and objectives? What is the advisor doing? And they they don't have an answer. And that's important. It's very important because like most folks, when they go for surgery, they do research, they get second opinions, they go in depth. And what makes your finances any less than your health when it comes to this? So having a plan, and I'll tell you what really triggered me was in, in 2010, I was working at New York Life. I was working for New York Life and New York Life Securities, the investment side. And um, an advisor retired, and I was sent out to go speak to their clients, let them know they're in good hands, nothing has changed. And I started to notice something. I started to notice that nobody had a financial plan. Nobody had direction. And that very week, I met with somebody. And on Friday, I'll never forget, her name was Maria. And she called me. And she said, Keith, we just met on Tuesday. I'm sorry to let you know that my husband, Frank, had passed away. And I, I was like, oh, my. This is my first one, my first client that's ever passed away. And I just met them. So I... I I started to panic a little bit because I didn't know much about them. So I scrambled to their file. I asked her for her financial plan, and I remembered they didn't have one. And now she's panicking because she thinks, I don't know what's going on in their situation. And she certainly doesn't because she didn't handle the finances. So when that happened, I realized that, that we need to protect the folks 
that are, are investing their money with people. And they need a plan. They need a plan that they can share with their kids, their brothers, their sisters, their accountant, their lawyers, anyone that's going to be by their side later in life. And it doesn't mean if, you know, Frank had to pass away, but what happens when if their health declines? You know, the onsets of dementia are starting more and more in this world, or maybe it's just being, you know, uh, recognized more. And, and when folks start to forget, it's good to have a plan to refer to. It's good for, the, for Maria to have a plan at that point and say, okay, Keith, I got it. This is where the tax efficiencies are. This is where the income is going to come from. This is how I'm protected, and so on and so forth. And that doesn't happen today. We see probably well, Keith, maybe for two reasons. I, I want to stop you now because I have two more questions yeah. related to what you just said. Uh, what, first of all, there is an attitude that I think we have as Americans towards money. We don't, we still, we don't really want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about our finances. Uh, maybe we don't, it's, it's, there's an uncomfortable piece to that. We don't talk about finances and we don't talk about it to our children. Um, so there's this sort of thing that I think and as uh, a social worker, it kind of holds us back. We have this kind of psychological, um, adversity to talking about financial things. We talk about sex, we talk about everything else, but we won't talk about finances. So that's seems to me kind of an issue. And then the second piece is when we do decide to talk about it and you go in and you talk to a, quote, financial planner, they have all those templates that you're talking about and all the jargon and one to ten and what is it? And you're sitting, it doesn't make sense in terms of like your real life story. So I think those are two impediments to, to accomplishing what I agree with you that we need to do. I think, I think you, you, you hit it right on the head. And I think your, your background, your expertise fills in and understands what's happening here from the non-financial side, from the psychological side. And yes, and you said it earlier, we're never, Americans are not prepared. And why are they not prepared? You just said it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to face it. And I think mo- most of the time is they don't want to face when they see that number, their savings, their ultimate savings, and they feel like they didn't save enough or they failed. We, uh, can I retire? Do I have enough? All of these emotions start running, and then they play back 25, 30 years. We shouldn't have bought that home. We shouldn't have bought that car. We shouldn't have went on that vacation. We can't retire. We're going to work till we die. And it's important that folks just, just deal with it. Just face it and say, you know what? This is what it is. Go to a financial advisor and find out what I can do to get to retirement, to get to and through retirement with the lifestyle I want. And then that's it. It's just, if you can get there, you can get there. If you can't, the financial advisor will say, you may want to work two more years. You may want to sell that, that, you know, that home in, in Florida that you go to as a snowbird from New York or New Jersey. You may want to downsize or do something. But get direction. Don't just get smacked in the face with it, you know, two years before retirement, and then, you know, it becomes a catastrophe in your life. Second part of that. Like you said, they go to a financial advisor next and they have all these templates. And this is another thing we see. Folks walk in, you have the big name on the, on the wall there, you know, big Wall Street firm name. People trust and believe in them. And they say, whatever this man says, he works for this firm, it's got to be right. It's going to work. And they print out this template from all the information they ask, you the 10, 20 questions they ask. And they say, this has done... 8%, you know, let's say example, 8% over the last 10 years. Well, that's great. That's, that's amazing. What's it going to do for the next 10 years when I'm invested in it? Oh, well, you know, no, no performance is guaranteed. So why do I care about the last 10 years? Why would I look in the rearview mirror when I'm driving forward? When I drove here today at your office, I didn't look in the rearview mirror because I would've, it would have been a disaster on the road. I could have hurt people. And that's what these advisors are doing. They're selling past history, 10 years of unprecedented times, times that we'll never see again in our economy or our world. And from today forward, it's going to be 10 different years, 10 new years than we've ever seen before. So let's not plan around the economy, around the world, but plan around you. And I think you said it earlier, you know, folks have to plan for their situation. And that's what most of these firms don't do. They want you to be accustomed to what they want to do, what they do, what they get paid to do for you. 
but they don't want to sit down and actually listen to you and build a custom plan for you. It's just not, it's not in their revenue model. And I learned that being on Wall Street, and that's why I left Wall Street. And I said, you know what? I'm going to spend all my savings, I'm going to build my own firm, and I'm going to stand on the same side of the client and represent the client, just like a lawyer does, represents the client. And that's what I, that's what I chose to do. And, and I, I call it answering to one master. Well, in answering to one master, Keith, in answering to one master, tell us, uh, because now you have been doing that, and you've been in your own business and been the CEO of your own company, and we've been talking about disasters and how people haven't been prepared. Give us some examples of people or families or couples that you have helped them to be prepared and, and, and the positive outcome, let's say, uh, families that are prepared and then something does happen, but they are ready for it. So, and you must have a couple, at least two examples of, of those kinds of situations. Uh, we have, we have dozens and dozens <laughs> of them. Um, well, pick a good going one. Most recent, I'll talk most recent. Um, one of my, you know, one of our most beloved clients and, and, and when we say beloved people will, will, will come back and say, and we talk about this example all the time. They'll say, what did he have? You know, $5 million. That's why you love him. No, what he had was love for us. He had probably the least amount of money with us, invested with us, but he was the biggest advocate around town about us and for us. And he was battling uh, cancer many years ago, and he beat it. And he then became very quiet, and he was battling cancer again uh, over the last 18 months. And he did not tell anybody about it. But when he beat cancer the first time, we went in and we started looking at his non-financials, what we talked about last time, healthcare directive, um, you know, all the proxies, all the trusts, all the wills, and they weren't in order. And now this is gonna sound a little strange because I'm going offbeat as a financial advisor, but this here is another big mistake financial advisors make. They don't talk about the estate planning. They don't talk about the protection of all the assets that they built a great plan for. And where I'm getting with this is when, when, when he went in to the doctor and he was told that he had, you know, a relapse and it was pretty aggressive, he didn't want treatment. He wanted to fight it with faith and, 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 and God and, and go through it his way, which was great. So when he was going through it, he started, you know, going through a lot of pain and, and, and mental setback and he was forgetting things. And we made sure after the first time around that we put in the healthcare directive, uh, all the trusts, all the living wills, and all, everything in place that allowed his family to pay his medical bills and understand, even with the financial plan, understand where the money was coming from, how it was coming out, and the tax efficiencies based on that family, that household's taxes. So putting in the non-financials, I think sometimes is more important than putting in the plan. Because the plan is just taking someone's life savings and putting it in investment vehicles and hoping it's going to do well for them. But I'm not doing anything to protect them. And that's when I realized, again, later on, we have to learn a little bit about estate planning. Now, we're not lawyers, so we can't give advice, but what we can do is check on it. And then we can direct them to a local estate planner that we work with or if they have one that, that they choose to work with, we'll communicate with them and we'll get on the same page. The second type of situation we saw last year on the same level was, and I'll ask you this, Catherine, maybe you know, maybe you don't. If you have an, an IRA, right, an IRA investment with me, and you list, and I'm just going to go and, and, and make an example, uh, your son, Johnny, as the beneficiary, you want Johnny to get this amount, you save this for him. But you have a will that says, Keith is to get all my money if something happens. Now, I use yesterday because yesterday is far gone already, and we're here today. So you passed away yesterday. Who gets your money? Who gets that IRA? Who's in charge here? I didn't know any of this. Do you? Do you know who gets your IRA? If, if, if Johnny's the beneficiary, but I'm in your will, who gets the, who gets the IRA? No, I, that's a legal question, I guess. 
It, well, it's a legal question, but it's a question that everyone needs to know who has an IRA and who has a will. It's called asset titling, and it's in my book. Asset titling is important because if Johnny is on the IRA that you just created last year, but you created a will 10 years ago that says Keith is to have everything, the IRA is a contract. Anything with a beneficiary is a contract. It supersedes the will. So there's going to be conflict within the family. And I noticed that. I've seen it. We had that issue. And that's when I alerted me right away to say, Keith, you might have failed these, this family. You may have failed this family. So when I was going through this, I said, why didn't I think of that? I contacted our local estate attorney who's in our book. And I said, how do I, how do I understand how this works? And I had almost a two-hour meeting with him. And he educated me on what to look for as a financial advisor. What to not to give advice on, but what to look for. And that helps protect the family after a disaster. And I want to, Keith, we have to end, we have to end on that. And that's really, I think, two good points to end on because you're talking about being prepared. And, and if you're not prepared, not only does it affect, it affects the family also in terms of how they feel about the person who died. If things are not, I mean, it can really break up families. A lot of resentment from the person who died who didn't prepare, you know, or their finances weren't in order, uh, and then creates all other kinds of family issues, which are, which I guess we need to read about in your book. So I want to, because we do now, we have one minute left, and I want to give us the website that we can go to. We can buy your book, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere, and is there a website? You can buy on Amazon. You can go to a a brand new site that was just, uh, I think, launched last night, stresstestingyoursavings.com. You can get it there. You can email us at Ripe Financial, and um, we'll get anybody that's listening today um, and, and wants a book. Reach out. Just let us know. You heard us uh, on Catherine's show. We'll get a book out to you for free. But anybody that wants to go out and buy it, I just want to encourage you that all proceeds, 100% of the proceeds go to Make-A-Wish Foundation here in New Jersey, our go-to uh, charity. Uh, so I'm not taking any profit from it. It's to help folks out there retiring and help a charity that I firmly believe in. Great. Great work and, and uh, good luck with your book. Keith Gebert, Wrightbridge Financial Group, CEO of that company. His book is Stress Testing Your Savings, Your Financial Guide to Navigate to and Through Retirement. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Catherine. I'm looking forward to your next guest here, uh, Kelly. Great. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me this morning is Kelly McNellis, founder of Women for One. Kelly is the founder of Women for One, a place where women from 50 countries share their powerful stories with the world. Over 500 truth tellers, as Kelly calls them, have answered her call to action. Make life happen by sharing your messy brilliance. The stories range from the devastating to the delightful and everything in between. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Kelly. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. It's great to have to be on here. Well, it's an exciting project, Women for One. I saw this, oh my God, women are always talking to each other individually in groups, but not like this. So how'd you come up with this idea? Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, you know what? I, I was in a place in my life like many women are. Um, I had gone through a pretty intense divorce and reblended a family after five years of being a single mom of six children. Um, and... I was just in a place in my life where I wanted to write, actually. I wanted to share my story. And my background is a nonprofit. So for the first year, I started highlighting great things women were doing and writing on my own, just a tiny little blog. And then I decided, and from the feedback I'd gotten from the community, why not allow women to share their stories? And the moment I did that, Women for One really exploded because I feel like all women really have this need to, I mean, look at social media right now, Catherine, you know, they, they yeah. want to share their experiences. They want to feel less alone and they want to have that tribe to understand and learn from. And this is, and as I just, I said in the interview, in the beginning of the interview, it's like, it's, you've got women from all over the world sharing their stories. So yes, that, I do. I do. Yeah. Um, it's, it's actually incredible, uh, you know, and what's, what's so great about that is what I've learned in the past six years is that, you know, we're not that different. I mean, even age-wise, economically, um, women struggle with generally very similar issues, even if you're over in Egypt. Yes, it might be more intense in certain areas of your life, but we can all find some commonalities. And, and like, what are those commonalities? Because... I mean, you're, as you say, like women in Egypt, women in China, women, we all have, you know, we, we all have some family situation. I mean, the politics are different. Obviously, the countries are different. But what are those things that, like, connect us? Well, I think, you know, being a woman in the world is, is <laughs> the one thing that we can all connect with. It's very different than being a man in many ways. It's wonderful. Men are wonderful. Yet women you know, have this nurturing aspect to them. They have this need to verbalize and vocalize and connect with one another more impactfully from my experience personally. So I think all women want to share, all women, you know, if you're a mom, you know, if you're a mom in the U.S. and you're a mom in China, you're still dealing with children growing up and, you know, if they're bratty or if they're they're having some challenges, you're still dealing with all the effects of, persecution of women around the world as well. I mean, even in the U.S., we are so expected to be the perfect everything, the perfect businesswoman, the perfect mom, the perfect daughter, the perfect friend, the perfect wife. So really what I'm encouraging women to do is to share those stories with no shame and really be transparent with themselves first and foremost and with our community so they can learn from each other. 
I, I think that's a great idea for, you know, you talk about social media because sometimes on social media, at least it's how I experience it, let's say on Facebook, it looks like everybody's trying to paint this beautiful picture of motherhood and family and everything is great. And sometimes I'll look at it and think, you know, I really don't want to see this because I've got other <laughs> issues and making me feel bad. And, you know, I need to, I'm struggling with other stuff. So this is different than that. Yes, it is different. So your question is like more about the imperfection. I, I mean, I love imperfection. I mean, I have a book coming out in the fall, you know, ha- asking women to share and embrace that messy brilliance inside them. Like I've found my wisest moments when I've been on the bathroom floor crying a lot of times. And when my house is completely trashed and messed up, you know, from the children, and I can just say, you know what, it's okay. You know, I don't have to have everything perfect. So, you know, and, and we all go through these challenging times in our life. And I think that is where we're going to gain that wisdom and grow and learn from our experiences. So then, Catherine, we can move into the powerful place of making our life happen with a choice instead of letting life happen to us. Because I, personally, I felt like for years my life was happening to me and I couldn't catch up. I couldn't quite grab it by the reins until I got really clear about my stories that I was telling myself inside my head about my experiences from the past. So that's why I wanted Women for One to come about. And it's just been an incredible journey. So Kelly, so practically, let's go through the whole process. Let's say you're feeling that way. Your life is just taking on a life of its own. You know, you've got the kids and the responsibilities or whatever it is, but you're not really making the, or you don't feel like you're making choices. So how is, how would Women for One work for us? Like you go online and, and you look at other stories that are similar to yours. And w- what do you do? How do you how does it work? Well, you know, and I love that you asked that question, because first of all, I want to make a point that what I found with a lot of quote, self help or blogs or any kind of program that I've entered in, and I've done them all. <laughs> and, I, you know, is is a lot of time we're recycling in the emotion or, or, you know, the victimhood of what's happened to us, which you know, we, we have been, all of us have had great wounds and issues in our lives. I mean, I'm not denying that. But I think it's really important the questions you're asking because I believe, you know, we have to look at those issues. But we also have to take steps for ourselves to empower ourselves to move forward because we have this life. Why not really make those steps? So, you know, so that we can have joy and passion in our lives. So I think what a person would do when they've come to my site at first, we actually just relaunched our site so it was more user-friendly. And so women could, and men, we have a lot of men that are truth tellers, um, truth tellers or the people that share the stories on our site as well, that we relaunched the site so that people could understand what they could do. So if you click on the new here button on our site, it takes you through four different ways that you can experience women for one, just to kind of get your feet wet. Because I think some people are like, well, I'm not ready to share my story. And you can even do it anonymously, but a lot of times they're like, no, I kind of just want to, you know, read other people's stories and understand where they're coming from. So if you go to the new here page, you can go and look at the truth tellers. And we also have a list of incredible categories for these stories. So if you're having a challenge or an issue in a specific category, you can go and and look at that specific category so that, you know, I mean, we've got like choices, changes, and challenges, defining truth. A lot of people have written about entrepreneurship, having gratitude, um, grief and healing, which is another big one. And, and also wellness, which is really important these days, because I think a lot of us are challenged with that as we grow into our 40s, 50s, and 60s. <laughs> so, yeah. so um, Kelly, let's like specifically, like those are gen- somewhat general categories. So let's say you're, right. ha- let, you're a new mother. Let's take new, mo- well, new mother and you're nursing your baby and it's not working. It's just, you know, you're frustrated, you're exhausted. Um, this is all new to you. Is this something that you would tap into and, and, well, you would have to go onto our search bar and look for stories around a new motherhood. I'm sure we have some, but we do have a really great search engine where people could go in there. We, we're not a resource in the way of, you know, if someone is having challenges this way, of course, if someone reached out to us, we, we're, we strive to support anybody that wants to be part of our community. We would help find them the resources. But we're definitely not a resource where there's experts on here telling you how to, you know, help in that situation, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, but it could be another woman's story who, right? It could be. I mean, women, yeah, yeah, women share their stories about everything. So to feel less alone, I think, is really powerful um, when you're reading these stories about specific instances that happened. And the the one um, differentiator I feel like at Women for One, when women submit their stories, we have um, this incredible content writer and editor that reads your story. We, we accept everyone. We're not a, a blog that just accepts good writers. And I really wanted that to be the case because this, our values are about having women feel supported and grow through sharing their experiences and stories and connecting with one another. So we just require that you tell us a lesson you've learned, that you're not just sitting around complaining in a, in a, in a story and, and woe is me, but really what did you do to pull yourself out so other women can be inspired? That makes sense. And that makes sense. And also what makes yeah. sense, because I was on the website, obviously, and Women for One, you specifically have the story guidelines. I mean, you really spell it out for people in terms of how they can do this and how they can. Yes. Uh, it, yeah. And I think that's important. I mean, it really is specific. So um, it, it doesn't eliminate people. It, it really encourages people to, to get on the website. So, I mean, I think that's really good because you. It's wonderful. We also it's have a lot of freebies, you know, courses and, um, and free challenge. We have our free seven day challenge to making life happen, as I spoke about, like where, you know, you got to let go of those shoulds in your life and take action. Like we were just speaking about Catherine. Um, and then we also have courses that you can purchase that are online that are, are very reasonably priced. So we really um, encourage people to download those courses and be interactive and reach out to us if they have any questions. Kelly, what about, are there any stories that like sort of really got to you? I mean, you mentioned you were divorced, you've got a zillion kids. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> I have three. I thought that was a lot. But anyway, grown up. So any, the, you know, a couple or more stories that you can share with us that have been on the site that maybe, you know, you, you really tie it tied into your emotional, uh, I guess, needs. Well, you know, it was funny that after the first year um, I was at Women for One, I was starting even after the first year and a half to be like, what am I doing? I, I was really just following what the community wanted at first. And I was kind of burning out and feeling, you know, should I be doing this? What, what's the goal here? And I, submit, I received a story from a woman that um, had had her husband who had a mental illness in, in the U.S., and he actually killed himself and her young children. It was very impactful. It was very intense. And I, um, that, I mean, that's a really powerful story. And what she did was she created an organization to support other women around this situation because, you know, I think it's my greatest fear in life, uh, losing my children, especially in that tragic of a way. And, and to hear how she had overcome it and moved forward in her life and done some real good in the world really made me go, you know what? This is what Women for One is about. This is, you know, women sharing, you know, how they've overcome um, experiencing cancer or the death of a, a loved one or you know, just a divorce in general, like how it's changed them and how they took every day, you know, and were grateful for every day and took the step forward to empower themselves and to move forward. So that's one that really made me go, okay, Kelly, you're on the right path. You need to keep moving. And you are, you know, I get countless emails from people thanking us and me and my team at Women for One for what we're doing because women really as much as we have social media right now, Catherine, and as much as we're all interconnected, I think a lot of us feel alone in a lot of ways. We're inundated either with being a mom or a businesswoman or, you know, a wife. And, and it's like, what about us? <laughs> so it's nice yeah. that, that they can stop and say, what about me for a minute? So that's one. Why do you think? And I have yeah, so and many. social media, obviously, you're saying it, it just doesn't fill in the gap or doesn't fill in the hole or whatever it is for that connection. There's something missing in that. You don't feel connected, but this is different. And this is, this right. takes, yeah, right. takes right. our need. Yes. I mean, uh, that's it, a horrific story. That's incredible. the most, dif- yeah, that's. And, and, but it and, doesn't and, have, I'm, you know, the thing about it is you don't have to have a story like that of tragedy. To submit it one form. We, and, and the thing I've heard the most over the years is from all women when I've been speaking or doing workshops um, and through email and connecting, 
I don't have a story. I don't really have anything valuable. I find that fascinating it, because I think you know, stories are what make us who we are, experiences in our lives. We connect them, and it's this huge feminine thread that connects us and makes us who we are and makes us you know, make choices um, in our lives, whether they be empowering or disempowering. So everyone has a story. That's my deep belief that is valuable to the world. We just don't, I think, as women, feel that they are. Maybe you you just use the word power. That we that that they aren't powerful. That we're not. They're not going. Our stories really aren't, for whatever reason, aren't important enough to share. They're not going to make a difference. And obviously, that's not true. It does make a difference. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, I really feel you know, no matter what your political beliefs are, that's the other thing I want to say about women for one. I you know have my own personal beliefs. I'm human. <laughs> and I'm, but I really, my team and I do not take a political stance on purpose because we believe every single woman has a story. This isn't a liberal or a conservative website. This isn't a religion. We accept all religions. We believe that women really need to cross those boundaries to encourage communication with one another and with men in the world so that we can move into a more peaceful world and an understanding of why each of us believe certain things. Yeah, I, I think that's critical. I, I, I think that's, um, I, I think this whole idea of this website, for me, it's just fascinating. I mean, it's, it's, I want to know who the, talk to us a little bit about the other women that you're working with, the, the rest of your team, because we, we don't have that much time left. But, um, how many people do you have on your team? What you, <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, we have, what I do have they do? Team ever. So, you know, I started this on my own, and now because I'm speaking and, I, you know, I'm, launching my new book and and really creating content with my co-creator um, who is my editor Nirmala Nataraj she is just fabulous we spend like three days a week just creating new content new courses new blogs on around ideas that will support and uplift women um, in their lives but my director um, Samantha she's just been with me four years and she drives the whole site she runs the operations she makes sure that every single woman that reaches out to our site is taken care of and that we are, you know, a sustained entity for the future. And then I have a, a new team member of the past seven months who communicates with everyone. And she's just like, the, just such a love. And we're all different ages. And, and I love that. And we have a real diverse group of women as well, um, culturally. And we all are so transparent because we have specific values that we want to put out into the world for Women for One. So we really try to walk our talk within our culture in our company. So I'm really proud to be part of them. And I'm also really proud to have interviewed and featured powerful women and men that have changed the world, like Ariana Huffington and Dr. Maya Angelou. Um, there are some really incredible women doing, as you know, fabulous things. And it's just been my honor to ask them what their definition of truth is and how they made their life happen. So that's just, that's another part of our site where people can go and look at these interviews that I've done and listen to them or watch them or read them. Because these women have a lot of great wisdom to share with us. What, uh, what are, they do, uh, absolutely. And, and what about you? But what about your book? When is that coming out? My book's coming out um, at the end of October, and I'm really excited about it. it. It's called The Messy Truth, Seven Tools for the Perfectly Imperfect Woman. So it's really about this notion of we have a lot of books out right now about cleaning up your life and simplifying. Well, I'm saying, how about we dive in to our messiness? <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of known. I'm, I'm a very organized person, but I'm very random. So it, I thought about it. And I'm like, that's my brilliance. That, that messy place in each of us that we don't want to shove aside, that we want to look at and go, it's okay, and let it be and learn from it. So that's what my book's about. And it's, it's a self-help book that, you know, I'm humbly offering how I got through my life with certain tools to move forward to make my life happen. Oh, messy brilliance. I have to repeat that. That is such a great truth. phrase. Yeah. Messy the truth. Messy truth. Yes. Messy yeah. truth. Okay. Mm-hmm. It could be brilliant yeah. as well, but it's the messy yeah. truth. And yeah, you're so right. right. There, I think uh, there's a lot of pressure to get rid of the messy truth. Where it's you know it's always like simplify, clear things out, 
get organized, you yep. know, you know, it's really the opposite of that. And you're saying yes. embrace, embrace our messy truth. There's a lot there for us to, we can get a lot, there's a lot for us to see and a lot for us to grow from, I guess, from that, right? Yeah, dive into it. It's kind of fun. But I just have to ask you, you know, and this is, I, I, I think uh, men and women are very different and they all positive, they have their goods and they're positive and the negative. But, and you say men could write in the stories, but does that really fit? I just, because men are different. Um, their well, stories target, would be. Yeah. Yeah. Our yeah. population is women, bottom line. Yet I do believe there are many men out there that have embodied the feminine. The feminine isn't like female, and it's not about the feminine aspects in the way of, you know, in any way except that nonlinear action-oriented way, but they can process their emotions. They can support women. You know, we all have women in our lives, if you're a man or if you're a woman. So there are a lot of men out there that are teaching really fabulous things around processing your emotions. My publisher, Jeff Brown, is, is a man, and he's, I think he embodies feminine more than most women I meet in the way of, he, you know, says, feel your feelings, you know, really share your truth honor all that mess that you have. So I, I believe that men can be teachers as well. It's very individual, Catherine. So that's why I don't, you know, shut it off to, to men in any way. I, I don't discriminate against men. I think, you know, my husband is another incredible man that, that would do the same thing. So I think there's great men out there we can learn from, even on my site. So it gives us a different perspective, and yes, I th- definitely. So, yeah, okay. So, but it's primarily for women. The site, yes, definitely, it is. Have you ever gotten any negative feedback? I mean, this sounds so. Uh, I mean, so positive, so sort of uplifting. So, I mean, I think it's just such a great idea. I mean, what kind of, uh, or maybe not negative, but just critique. Of course, we have. <laughs> We got something yesterday where, you know, women feel raw and they, they, they have their own belief systems about and assumptions about where we're coming from. You know, around the whole time, the political time that we had in this country, everybody assumed because we, were, we supported the Women's March that we were taking a political stance. No, we were just supporting women, right? So everybody yeah. has, has their belief systems, but yet... I think we can take, I, I am also all about encouraging communication and conversation. Even when we get criticized, unless they're disparaging or nasty, I, I don't have any part of that. I don't even respond when they're like that, people. But when they're really taking the time to share from a place of, you know, criticizing what we're doing or suggesting something or being feeling raw or vulnerable about something that happened on our site, I'm going to definitely honor that because I'm all about women finding their voice. So, of course, I'm going to honor that and write back and communicate with them and encourage them to com- keep communicating because what we're all about is encouraging women to communicating find their voice. Communicating and connecting. And yeah, we have and to connect. say goodbye. I could keep going on with this because it's a great conversation. But I, Women for One, Women for One, founder Kelly McNellis, go on the website. Uh, and we're going to be following you. Thanks. Seriously, thanks oh, so thanks, much for Catherine. being on the show today. Yeah. Great to be here. Great to have you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox.